0: Good morning and welcome again to everyone. We're certainly happy that you're here and I uh, appreciate that beautiful prayer, Chris. Thank you very much. And it's good leading, Aaron. Thank you. We uh, feel like we're living in unprecedented times, really. Um, the virus here outside, everybody's wearing a mask. We appreciate that. Uh, teach some things. To these christians there and i think it's important that we understand what he was to teach there because those same things ought to be taught here or any place where there is a group of christians you know in colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 paul told the christians that they're to put on a new self he said in verse 12 that god's people are to clothe themselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience you see the gospel produces a change in a person's life doesn't it it's not just something that we accept and then go on living as if nothing had occurred but the gospel changes people when you became a Christian a change took place it's like changing clothes it's illustration that Paul uses in Colossians 3 you put off some old garments some old characteristics and you replace them with new ones you put on new characteristic new clothing God's characteristics that's what we endeavor to embody into our lives and so Christ's doctrine is to be put on like garments and Christians are to ornament that those garments for the world to ornament that doctrine for the world it's our conduct our daily lives the way we go about living and the influence we have on other people that is a perpetual comment on our doctrine or on our religion it's the way we live our lives it's not that we're here sunday or that we believe so much as it is the way we live the way we every day everybody around you know who you are and what you stand for and that's a good thing because we can control our lives and we can bring that and when we do that, it brings glory to God. You see, the Bible tells us that God is glorified in obedience. God is glorified by obedient people. You remember back over there in 1 Samuel, there's a passage, you'll, you'll remember the quote, you may not remember the call sign as Bob says, it's 1 Samuel 15 and 22. God was dealing with Saul and he says, to obey is better than sacrifice. God is glorified in obedience. And so how do we adorn the doctrine? How do we make the gospel attractive? It's by the conduct of our daily lives. I think it was last week, maybe the week before, that Kevin was talking about it's your daily life. It's the simple, ordinary, daily life when you submit that to God's will and, and bring it into conformance with His will that it brings glory to God. We make the gospel attractive. Christian living that's a phrase that uh, a, a brother that was influential in our lives early and, and you guys knew brother Larry Ballard remember he used to pray that help us to be examples in Christian living and that's what we want to be and that's how we make the gospel attractive and I think there are some very practical keys to adorning the doctrine in this passage of Scripture first of all he says say no godliness denying ungodliness evil is all around us but that's always been true it might have been more true back when this was written than it is even today when we look around us sometimes we get discouraged by things that are happening but that's always been the case it's always been an evil world but christians have a certain response to it initially and that's to say no to ungodliness no to things that are unlike god he says no to worldly passions or worldly lust in this passage of Scripture and so one of the first steps that a Christian takes is to say no that's an important word there are certain things that a Christian cannot and will not do and that's one of the first steps in making the gospel attractive is that we're different we don't participate in certain things we don't say certain things we don't go certain places maybe no we say no to ungodliness. At the same time, as important as that is, Christianity is much more than just saying no. And so he goes on to say some other things in this passage about what makes the gospel attractive. There's a passage in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 6 that I want to notice with you. The Bible says there in 1 John chapter 3, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands see God is glorified in obedience and then he says in verse 6 whoever, to, whoever claims to live in him must say what Jesus said no that's not what it says it says he must walk or he must live as Jesus did it's more important than our words it has to do with our life he goes on to say in chapter 3 verse 18 of 1st John let us not love with words or with a tongue, but with actions and in truth. So I think God is telling us in these passages to live it. To know it is great. To be able to teach it to others, maybe that's even better. But to live it, that's different. And that's when you've got it. When you can live the gospel before outsiders. Paul told the church in Philippi, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, that whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's a great passage for for today, isn't it? We control how we live. We have that privilege. We get to make choices about how we live. And we can choose to live our lives in a way that is worthy of the gospel. I think that means to live our lives in a manner that's consistent with the commands that we find in Scripture, or we can decide not to. We don't live our lives by the circumstances, circumstances around us right now are pretty difficult. The pandemic pretty difficult. It's pretty scary. It's increasing right now in where we live, right? I think I read in the paper this morning that there were something like 100 cases on June the first and there's 700 and something now. And so it's spreading rapidly. That's scary. And so that's a circumstance that we find ourselves in. There's civil unrest and that's frightening. I don't know where all that it's um, a little unsettling to us, but that doesn't control us. Um, our work doesn't control us Well, we we're influenced by it and we're worried about it sometimes but that's not what we're really about our background doesn't control us not our circumstances not our background and really while others may influence us that's up to us how we're gonna let them influence us so we're not controlled by circumstance we're not controlled by our background we're not controlled by others it's our choice of what we're going to do you know uh, Paul was talking to Christians when he said neither slave nor free, or I think he said bond nor free, Jew or Greek, male or female, we're all one in Christ Jesus. That's certainly true of us as Christians today. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Whether you're angry, discouraged, happy, afraid, sad, whatever happens, that covers everything we endeavor to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel we endeavor to make the gospel attractive by our conduct and so we make the gospel attractive by exemplifying it before others paul told timothy in first timothy 4 be thou an example to the believers in speech in life in love in faith and impurities be thou an example for the believers It's one thing to be an example for the people in the world. He's calling Timothy to an extremely high mark when he says, be an example for other Christians. Be thou an example for the believers in your speech, in your life, in your love, in your faith, and in purity. So it's not just the words that we say while it's important, our speech. It's not just a sermon or some notes on a card that we might be able to tell others about. But it's our life. It's a way of life. It encompasses everything about us. At home, in our neighborhood, on the job, in the congregation, wherever we go, we are to be an example for the believers in all of those things. God is saying basically, live it. And so be thou an example for other Christians even in the way that you live your life. And so, we make the gospel attractive. We adorn the doctrine by denying ungodliness, by living godly lives, and by being an example for the believers. Well, in Titus chapter 2, there is revealed for the evangelist a tremendous task that's before him. The Bible says in chapter 1 and verse 12 that he's going to face people that Paul described as liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. That's where you're going. And he drops him into this island, and he says, you're in a bad situation, and you're going to face an evil society. So I wonder if the words of Solomon are not true, though. Is there anything new under the sun? See, that's why I read that, and I think maybe the same thing is true for us today in fact i know it is these uh admonitions apply to us today we find ourselves in an evil society but our response is going to be guided like titus's was he says there's going to be some there that profess to know god but by their actions they deny him that's hypocrites you're going to find people that say one thing and do another they're detestable disobedient, unfit for doing anything good. Man, what a place to take the gospel. But another way we might say is what a place to take the gospel. That's exactly where it's needed. I want to remind us of something I read in in Scripture this week. It was actually in Proverbs. The Bible said there that the, it was talking about the rich and the poor, and he made a, the same comment in another place, but the, the basic idea is that all of us have this in common. The Lord is the maker. The Christian and those that are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good that he talked about, have this thing in common the Lord is the maker of us all Democrats and Republicans protesters on both sides of an issue demonstrators police black white brown whatever we all have this in common the Lord is the maker of us all Do you remember one of the first uh, messages that Kevin brought when he moved here which I think was about 13 years ago. It had to do with the forest and the trees, and the basic premise was seeing other people as God sees them. So these people with whom we may disagree, and, and some of us may disagree on certain issues, but the thing we have in common is that we are all made by God. God loves us all, and Christ died for all. That's the way we see other people. And that was the message of that sermon and that topic. And that can guide the way that we respond to other people. And that's what Paul is going to tell Titus in this passage. He's going to tell him to respond in such a way that they can be converted to Christ and they can see your love and concern for them. Well, what is that? What was Titus supposed to do and what are we supposed to do? Well, he starts off in chapter 2. In verse 2, to be temperate, to live lives worthy of respect. I want you to teach the older men to be sound in faith. I want you to teach the older men to be, uh, to be sound in love and in endurance or patience. He goes on to say in verses 3-5, through five, I want you to teach the older women to be reverent, in the way that they live, that they may teach the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, to be pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands. And then he makes an interesting statement, so that no one will malign the Word of God. That's an interesting statement to me because I see that concept all the way through scripture, God has always concerned himself, I believe, and he's demonstrated to the, us in the whole revelation of His will. He is always concerned the lives of his people. And so when we conduct ourselves in an unworthy manner, not only does it bring a little bit of shame and reflection on us, but man it might bring a bad reflection on the church. And others might view the Lord improperly because of our actions. And I believe God takes that seriously. The example that I've shared with you before and that comes to my mind this morning is when Nathan came in to see David after his great sin. And he repented. And Nathan said, you're going to be forgiven of the sin you've committed. And in fact, he was. God says of his later life that David was a man after my own heart. So he changed. He was transformed by the will of God. But he said, "Because of your sin, you caused other people to malign Israel, to malign my son. the child is going to die. God has always demonstrated a concern how other people view him through the lives of his people. And he says the same thing here. I want the older women, I want the women, older and younger to behave a certain way so that no one will malign the Word of God. And then he goes on and he says, I want you to encourage the young men to be self-controlled, and I want you to set them in. How do you do that, Titus? By doing what is good. What is God telling us through all of this? I think He's telling us this. Christians, under the influence of the Gospel, can respond to the world around them, even when we're surrounded by evil and all the uncertainty and all the things that are going on like they were then and like they are today we can respond to that because of the gospel by living in a godly way we respond to uncertainty to fear we respond to others with whom we may disagree uh, completely we respond how by being examples in Christian living, by living for God, lighting the world, or adorning the doctrine, as he said in this passage. Paul told us, uh, uh, Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12 that we should live such good lives among the pagans, that though they would accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. That's great advice for today. You know. Christians and they want sometimes it feels like and I think they do they want to accuse Christians of wrongdoing they want to uh, make an accusation against Christians I don't know why exactly that is I have some theories but that doesn't matter but people like to look at you as a Christian and say fault and therefore the whole system's uh, nullified Peter's telling us don't give in to that they want though they would accuse you they'd like to accuse you of doing wrong rise above that live such good lives that others would see your good deeds and they can't be critical no one can malign the word of god because of your actions we want to in every way make the teaching about god our savior attractive we want to adorn the doctrine of god by living self-controlled upright and godly lives and Titus that's your responsibility to teach that as an evangelist in that place and this is now our responsibility as we read the instruction that Paul gave Titus and attempt to put it into practice in our lives I want you to teach what's in accord with sound doctrine what is that I want the older men to be temperate and worthy of respect that's in accord with sound doctrine I want the older women to live reverently and to teach the young women to be self-controlled, to love their families, to be pure and kind. That is in accord with sound doctrine. I want you to teach the young men to be self-controlled. That is in accord with sound doctrine. Set them example by doing what's good with sound doctrine. These things are just as applicable to us today as they were to the Christians and the other people on the island of Crete so long ago. Our response as Christians to everything that's going on around us is to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. That's how we respond to uncertainty, to fear, to attacks, to disagreement, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. And I hope that's an encouragement to us all. We begin that process when we hear and believe the gospel. That's what changes us. The gospel causes a change, it causes us to repent, to turn from one thing, one way of life, and turn to another, to put off characteristics that Paul talked about in Colossians 3, and to put on others. Repentance is a change, it's a turning from, a turning away, and a turning to the Bible tells us that we begin our Christian life by our confession of our faith we say I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God people say that before they're immersed in water before they're baptized but it's also something that we live every day we live lives that acknowledge that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we begin our Christian life when we're immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins when we're baptized when we do that we take those steps, we've accepted God's offer of pardon. God forgives us of our wrong and places us in a reconciled relationship with Him where we endeavor to live from then on. We'd encourage you this morning to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives.